Welcome to New Communities New High Orientation Seminar Session. All right. You can clap, that's okay. You're here today because someone invited you. Yes, yes, I know your story is long and complicated, much too complicated and long for a simple invitation. LOL. Look to the person on your right. Look to the person on your left. Totally complicated. Cool stories. Guess what? We're all surrounded by complicated. Why don't you shake that person's hand and tell them right now, Hi, I'm complicated. Okay, that's enough. We've got a lot to get through today. You're also here to be trained. Training is complicated. Corporate has this policy called eternal partnerships. It's basically connections and relations sustained by JC and, and uh, sponsored by our HS department. What did you say? Speak up. Three, three founders? Yeah, you can't tell them apart sometimes. Yeah, three founders, yeah, and they're still running the show. Talk about job security. Anyways, training happens at the speed of your effort, or should we say surrender? That's how we like to put it here. Sounds crazy, right? It's complicated. You also have to be sent out again. Fancy that. Don't worry, though. Door to door is only for the best of the best. You'll have to surrender a lot more to get to that level. For eternal business, businesses, business partnership to work, we actually prefer existing relationships. We here at New Community will do our best to prepare you in our training sessions to go out and make those partnerships a reality. And now, to run our current cycle, our very own branch manager, the man with a vision in our division, Dave Turn and Burn Turner! Good stuff. Thank you. Turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And in just a moment, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 10. Matthew 28 and Luke chapter 10. Listen to what Matthew 28 says. Verse 19 and verse 20. Jesus says to his disciples, the same thing he says to us. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can we, uh, can we read that together? Put up verse 19 there. Can we just read that together? Just read off the screen loudly and together. One, two, three. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, Every single one of us, if we've bowed the knee to Jesus, we are a part of the kingdom of God. We've been invited into a family business. Now, our Father loves us. He delights in us. He purchased us through the blood of His Son and filled us with the Holy Spirit. 
And yet he's also invited us to be a part, not just of the family, but the family business. The kingdom is not just the business. It's not just a family. It's a family business. That's why Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. The Lord wants to invite us not just to be loved by him, but to love, to go out on a search and rescue mission, to reach those people who don't know him, to reach his other sons and daughters and bring them into the father's house. Amen. And so this series called Making Disciples is really, as uh, Sean was uh, alluding to, the new higher orientation. Welcome to the kingdom of God, basically. Welcome to not just being a part of God's family, but a part of the family business. What the Lord wants us to learn in these next number of weeks is how, practically, how to make disciples. Because you can see right here, Jesus... The Lord of his church, the CEO of the body of Christ, is giving us, as many of you have heard me teach recently, the mission and the vision of his church. The mission and the vision of this family business. The vision is all nations. That's the scope. That's how many people Jesus wants discipled. And we know that he is not coming back until every nation comes to know him. That doesn't mean every person in every nation, but, but the remnant or a remnant of each nation or people group. And the mission is to make disciples. And so, think about it this way. If, if you had a new job, if you, if you got a new job, even if you went to school for the job you were doing, you still need to learn the culture of the organization you still need to learn the policies, and oftentimes you need some training. If, if you've never used computers, and here you go, now you've got to use a computer, you've got to learn word processing or Excel or whatever. If you were hired to do IT, well, you've got to have some training, right, Andrew? Yeah, he's awesome. He calls himself ITJR, right? IT Junior. Uh, you've got to learn some new things. Right, Chris just became a journeyman. Am I, I got that right, journeyman? He, man, he had to go to school for years. Yeah. A couple, couple weeks, a month ago or so, he became a journeyman, but it's like he graduated from school. He was trained as an apprentice. He went to school, all this stuff, to learn a new skill. Well, here we are. We've come into the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus, and we've been invited to partner with God on this search and rescue mission. Do you think we need to learn some new skills? I mean, if we, shoot, just to even believe God loves you, you've got to have your mind renewed. Just to even get healed up from junk that's in our lives. We need our minds renewed. Well, what about learning how to live for others? We're called not just to receive, but to give. And if we have to learn how to receive, man, it's hard enough as a Christian to learn how to receive, huh? To believe God, to receive His love. Man, it's hard enough to get healing and deliverance for my life. Now you want me to give it away? (laughs) Wait, 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 dude, I've just taken a bunch of years to try to figure out how to follow you. And now you want me to tell, get other people to follow you? What are you talking about? That's exactly what it means. It means that here we are being invited into the family business and we need to learn some new skills. Now, now, now it sounds complicated, doesn't it? First of all, it can be overwhelming. It's overwhelming, to be honest with you, when you think of the vision that Jesus, our CEO, has on his mind. All nations, I don't know about you, but that's a bit overwhelming. And yet what's crazy about that is it's extremely motivating. That's the crazy thing about vision, isn't it? Vision is big. Vision is bigger than you and me. It's bigger than what you can do in any given day. 
It's bigger than what one person can do. And so vision can mobilize and motivate and, and, uh, and unify, can't it? It's exciting. Let's reach all nations, you know? And just like uh, Steve Jobs, you know, stands up and says, you know, an Apple in every, you know, computer in every home. That's what they started Apple with a long, long time ago. It's a vision. It's like, man, we're going to get a computer in every home. It's exciting. Yeah, let's do it. How are we going to do it? The mission is wheels on the ground, boots on the ground, the day-to-day, the, the what you do, the what I do, and every organization has a vision, and Jesus has a vision, of course, but every organization has to break that vision down into doable steps. And a lot of times we can feel like making disciples is just too big, or it's too complicated, or we don't know, or we're not qualified, or we've not been trained. A lot of us feel that way. Well, here, here's how we feel about this series. Sean says this series is Ikea simple. You ever been to Ikea? You get that thing in a box, and you pull that out, and they, all they got is a picture. And all you, yeah, you need a screwdriver. Or even they, all you need is like one of those Allen wrenches, and they, and they give it to you. There it is right there. We want to give you practical, easy steps and resources. A little Allen wrench for you. So that you can make disciples because it's really not complicated or overwhelming. It's actually very simple. And I want us to hear Jesus' call to us from Matthew 28. This is what he's been inviting us into as a church for a while now, saying don't just receive but give. Don't just be a disciple. A disciple is one who's becoming and doing just like the master. And so we've got to embrace this invitation to not just be disciples but make disciples. It really is the most exciting thing that we could ever do on this earth. It really is. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're not a follower of Christ yet, we're glad you're here. And I want you to understand that this is not, this series and this message today is not about manipulating people, converting them, assimilating them, make them, make everybody like us. It's not about controlling people. Really, More than anything else, this is about love. See, what I'm going to be teaching you how to do, let's say you were to say, Dave, you know, making disciples, making disciples, what does that mean? You know, let's say you were to say, what what does that look like? Because we're not making them disciples of us, we're making them disciples of Jesus. So you say, well, what is that? You know, what does that mean, making disciples? What does that really look like? Let me tell you what we're really going to be learning here in these next number of weeks. We're going to learn how to build Eternal, redemptive friendships. It's really what this is about. If you were to say, well, what does that really mean to make disciples? Really, we're inviting people to know the God who made them and loves them and died for them. See, and I know you guys know this, but just for anyone who didn't, we were created by God for a relationship with Him. Knowing Him and walking in His ways is life. Sin is really when we separate ourselves from God and His ways, and it brings destruction to our life. All we're doing, we're not, we're not salespeople. We're not getting out there and trying to manipulate people. But I'm, that, that didn't sound right, because it may make you assume that sales is manipulation. I didn't necessarily mean that. Sorry, Clint. They're actually really godly salespeople who want to bless others. But uh, I didn't mean that. But what I mean is we're, re- we're not doing sales. This is not sales. 
This is building, and actually good sales maybe does this too, but we're building eternal, redemptive friendships. What do I mean by that? We're building friendships with people, loving them in such a way that it changes the course of their eternity and brings transformation, redemption, restoration, healing to their life. What we're really doing is learning how to invite people back home to God, to the Father who loves them. We're going on a search and rescue mission. So like I said, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, understand that that's our heart. Can you imagine if we as Christians really believe that we have the cure for sin? If there is this disease out there that is ravishing this world and keeping people from God and their purpose and life and wholeness, and we believe that there is one cure, and some people call that narrow-minded, we call that hope, that if there really is one cure, do you, do you realize that if we held it to ourselves, that would be the most wicked thing I could think of? That would be the most selfish and evil thing, to actually have the cure that everyone needs and to keep it to ourselves? And so, so like I said, if, if someone's a Christ, a, not a Christ follower, hearing this series, really, it's really us doing what is most loving, isn't it? It's really saying, wow, we really believe that people need to come home to God. If, if, if Jesus' blood really is the cure, then it, it, it's just the most loving thing to do, isn't it? So that's where we're headed. We're headed into learning how to make disciples. Make it Ikea simple. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I want to address the question today, who? Really, before we get into like what, you know, maybe how do you share the gospel or those types of things, who? Who, who are we reaching? Who are we searching for? Who are we discipling? Really, just need to begin right there. Who is, who are the people that we need to be focused on? Like I said, sometimes when we hear the phrase all nations, though it's exciting and it's big, it can, it can one, it can overwhelm us. We live in a world where we know so much about the injustices and the brokenness of this world, and we know that this world is big, and there are seven, some billion people on the planet. Can you imagine if somebody took a picture of all those people? It'd be like overwhelming. It'd just be a blur of colors. You ever seen those pictures where like, it's, a, it's a word made out of lots of little pictures? It, it's just, you would never be able to see any of those individuals. It's overwhelming. But not even that. Sometimes it's paralyzing, isn't it? It's kind of like when somebody says, you're going to write 20 term papers this semester. You just kind of go, oh no, where do I start? A lot of times we don't know where to start. It's so big, we're like, I don't know what to do. And so, so sometimes it actually gives us the out. Make disciples of all nations. Oh, I get it, Dave. That, that's missions. Yeah, missions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you go to other nations. Nations. Because we're not a nation. Everywhere we go, there are people. We are a nation. We're living in one. That makes every place a mission field. But we can be, sometimes we can say, oh, that's just what somebody else does. Oh, yeah, those are those people over there. We, we give money to the all nations thing, or we pray for the missionaries. And we don't realize the invitation. And so we have to really wrestle with who? Who? 
Now, in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, there's a a man, it says a certain lawyer. Now, when it says lawyer in the New King James, it means a a person who was schooled in the Bible, meaning a a, a scribe or a, a, a rabbi of the law, okay? So this is like an expert in somebody who studied the Old Testament law. And this lawyer comes up to test Jesus and says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So he's testing Jesus about his doctrine of salvation. And verse 26, Jesus says, what is it written in the law? So Jesus knows that this guy's a, a lawyer, a student of the law. So he just throws the question right back at the man. What is your reading of it? What's your interpretation of the Bible, basically? And the man says in verse 27, so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. These are, as we know, the two great commandments. And Jesus, in other places, will actually say it himself. Jesus answers and says to people, the, two great, the great commandment is to love God, and the second is like it, love your neighbor. Love others as you would love yourself. And so when this man answers, Jesus knows that this man has understood the essence of the whole Bible. He understands, this man understands what it means to be a human being, that we were created to love God and love others. And so Jesus responds to him in verse 28. And he said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. See, the great commandment is not something other than the great commission. The great commission is to make disciples of all nations. And the great commandment is to love your neighbor. And so often we feel like Jesus is giving us a list of rules, a list of things that we're supposed to do. And you put it in a list and you think, that's a lot to do. I don't think I have that much time in a day or a week or a month or a year or a lifetime. A lot of times we can feel overwhelmed. We can compartmentalize and we can say, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do this. But we've got to understand something. The Lord a number of months ago revealed this to me. We've got to understand that the great commission to make disciples and the great commandment are not two separate things. That the great commission is actually an extension of what it means to love. They're two aspects of the same call. To make disciples means to love my neighbor. And Jesus' statements here tell us who it is we're to disciple. And it's really this. That the great commission and the great commandment, they intersect. The two aspects of the same thing. And they intersect. Where do they intersect? They intersect at the one They intersect at the one person that's standing right in front of you. Who are you supposed to disciple? Your neighbor. It's really not any more complicated than that. The vision is all nations. But your assignment is the person that's right in front of you. See, I know a lot of people that ask me, 
or will be honest with me. And by the way, don't stop being honest with me, but I'm going to kind of correct you. I know a lot of people will say, I don't know what my calling is. We'll talk about fulfilling our calling at this church. I I don't know what it is. I I don't know what my purpose is. Listen, you do now. Because your calling is not primarily a what. Although there is aspects to something you're going to do, some skill you have, or some, some aspect of your calling, like I am called to be a pastor. That's part of the what of my calling. But your calling is not primarily a what. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And your calling is not primarily a where. So many people... When I went to Bible college, where, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to this country? Am I going to go to that country? Am I going to go here? Am I going to go there? And they missed that their calling is not primarily aware. aware. Now, now, I have some friends who are amazing. They have given their lives to the Turkish people. They live there. They speak their language. And, they have, and I, I want to tell you their story more later. They're amazing. They're my heroes. They, they're called to aware. So I'm not saying that your calling does not involve some what and some where. But that's not its, the primarily, primary issue. What Jesus is telling us is that your calling is about a who. And you say, well, who? Who? It's the one right there in front of you. So no matter where you are and no matter what you do, you might do kids ministry, you might, do, uh, 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 you might be a lawyer or a doctor or, or, a, or a, a construction worker, Yeah, you do different things. You have different skills. Everyone in the body of Christ has different gifts. But every single one of us is called to make disciples of all nations. Oh my goodness, where do I start? With the one right there in front of you. Your friends, your family members, your neighbors, your coworkers, the people you run into at the store, or even strangers that you just come across. See, think about it. Every relationship is like an intersection, isn't it? Your path and their path, they intersect. Just like the Great Commission and the Great Commandment intersect at the one person right there in front of you and the relationship that you have with them. You flowing with me? When Jesus says, go, make disciples, he's given you the green light. Go to that intersection and stop for that one person. He's calling you to rise up and to move out into those relationships that you already have. And listen, it's not like making disciples is something you have to fit into your already busy schedule. It's not a formal ministry that you have to sign up for. It is who you are. It's what you do by just being in relationship with people. And honestly, none of us are living on an island. We live in a suburban, urban world where there are tens of thousands of people all around us. Another thing that overwhelms us. And we live in a Southern California culture where there are so many people, we barely even notice each other. We drive on freeways, we walk down the street, we go to stores, and we don't even realize we've just passed somebody. It's just part of our culture, I know it is. And it's something Jesus wants to change in us. That we would see the people right there in front of us, at your work, at the store, on the freeway even, that you would actually see they're not a metal box. They're a human being driving that car. And when you curse them, you just cursed someone Jesus loves. Do You see, we need our eyes to be opened. God, open our eyes to see the person right there in front of us. 
when you come home to your children or to your spouse. It's the one that Jesus loves, the one He died for, and the one He's inviting you to disciple. Everyone, whether they know the Lord or whether they don't know the Lord, we're called to have such relationships with people, such friendships that we impact them for eternity, that we add value to them, strength to them, that we are a part of their transformation. That's really what the Lord is inviting you into, a friendship, a way of relating to people that transforms your friendships. You flowing with me? The one right there in front of you, the great commission and the great commandment, they intersect right there at the one. Now, what's very interesting is this lawyer in verse 29 says, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that funny? Well, well, who's my neighbor? I know the Bible says, love your neighbor as your... Here's a guy who knows the Bible and doesn't know how to live it. Here's a guy who says the same thing we do. Seeking to justify himself. Are we, are we not like that? We're like that, aren't we? We seek to justify ourselves. What is he really asking? Who isn't my neighbor? Who do I get to not love? Who can I not care for? Is really what he's asking. Isn't it? And Jesus tells him a story that we all know to confront him with his own self-justification and to show him what it really means to love our neighbor. And here's the thing. The the commandment or the commission to make disciples is not separate than the commandment to love our neighbors. They're one and the same thing. To make disciples is an extension of love. And so when Jesus tells us the story of the Good Samaritan, where the Good Samaritan stops for the one, he's telling us how to make disciples He really is. And so listen to this in verse 30. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, which, by the way, is a very dangerous road in that day, and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan which in that day, many of you know, that Samaritans were hated by the Jews and Jews hated Samaritans. They didn't like each other. They wouldn't even eat together. And it says that a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, where the man who was half dead was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and, set, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, it's about two days' wage, it's a good amount of money, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come, I will again, I will repay you. So which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, Sounds like a joke, right? There was a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Which one of these three do you think, listen, was neighbor to him? 
who fell among the thieves. Do you see how Jesus took his question that was a, well, who, 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 who do I have to love and who do I not get to love? Jesus turned it around and made it a verb. Be neighbor. Not, well, well, are you my neighbor? Are you my neighbor? But be neighbor. Love is an action. Jesus says, do it. Do what is loving. Do what is caring. He's calling him not to pick and choose. He's saying, no, no, no. Here's what the Lord is, I think, believe, I believe the Lord is, is really calling us to do. See, it's easy for us to say, you know, we don't have donkeys. This story seems a little bit out of our context because we, we, don't, we don't have donkeys. What am I going to do, put the guy on a donkey? Like, we, don't, we just don't live in that, in that necessarily that world. But listen, the, the point of the story is so obvious, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not, I mean, it's not even very complicated. It's really, it's really very simple. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. <clears throat> really, the bottom line is, don't, don't pass on by. If your ministry, if my ministry is the one right there in front of us, then what Jesus is simply saying is don't keep going. See, don't be too busy to miss that person. It's really what he's saying. Don't overlook them. Don't look at the color of their skin and decide whether or not you would help them. Don't look at their clothing or their piercings, or tattoos, or something that makes you feel nervous. Don't do that. Don't think, they're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. I don't like Jews. They don't like me. Don't do that. That's really what he's saying. Don't do that. Don't overlook people. Don't pass them by. Don't be too busy. Don't judge or prejudge. Don't be afraid. That's what the Lord is saying. Based on what? He's saying that the Samaritan stopped, looked, and went to him. I love that. I love that he went to him. And he got down, and it literally, it just real, real, real simple. And he took care of him. That's what it means to love. Love. To bless, to care, to serve, to help. That's really what Jesus is so simply inviting us into as disciples. What he's saying is do stop for that one. Do take time out of your day. Even waste your time and even waste your money. Do be extravagant. Do give, serve, love. Do take care of that person. Do feed the poor. Do help your brother or your sister in Christ. Go out of your way. And I, and I saw something this week that I hadn't seen before. I'm going to meditate on. Do follow up. You notice that he came back to him. He didn't just help him, give him some food, give him some money. He said, here's some money. I'm going to come back and see how he's doing. 
know, sometimes you run into a stranger you'll never meet again, but sometimes we can follow up, can't we? Maybe a brother or sister in Christ or a non-believer that we prayed for or even a stranger that you might know, uh, like a homeless person. You, you know where they are. Do follow up. Build a friendship. That's not just a one-time thing. You see that happening in the story? That this man lets a random chance encounter shape the rest of his life, argumentatively. You notice that? He says, Jesus says, I love this, the way that Jesus says this. I love this in verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest. Now by chance. I mean, obviously Jesus is kind of messing around a little bit, but I just, you know, just happened to happen that this priest comes by. It just happened to happen that this Levite comes by. It just happened to happen that this Samaritan comes by. It's not calculated. It's not, Lord, what's my ministry? It's that I'm living my life, doing my business, doing my work, loving my family, and on my way, doing my thing, somebody is sitting right there who's half dead, hurting, who needs protection and care. And I am that, that's my ministry right now. What's my calling? That right now. What matters? That person matters right now. And what was he moved with? Compassion. And why was he moved with compassion? Because every single person has value to God. Amen? Every single person is his treasure hidden in a field, his pearl of great price, the one he died for, and they're worth it. And so what I want to challenge you to, very simple, is to stop for the one and to begin to cultivate more than what's already in our lives, a lifestyle of blessing others, adding value to them, adding strength to them, affirming them, loving them, caring for them, Christians, non-Christians, those that you know, those that you don't know, strangers, random occurrences, your own children, your spouse, your co-workers. That every single week, think about it this way, every single week, I spend time with Jesus, I live in community, and I bless others. I pray for them to come to know the Lord, I look for ways to serve them. Do, do you see what I'm saying? This, this is honestly beginning to, to, to rock me. The idea that every week we look for people to bless. Every week before you go to work, I want to encourage you, get filled with the Spirit and go into work like a light in darkness. Go in being the one who's smiling, who's saying, how are you doing today? Even the person who doesn't like you very much or the boss who's too tough and you come in with an attitude of honor, with an attitude of serving and you come in to work looking for the one. It doesn't have to just be random. I'm convinced, this might sound a little odd, but I'm convinced that if Christians, don't be offended by this please, if Christians, if we as Christ followers would simply be even just a little bit more friendly Many more would be thirsty for Christ. Complaining, grumpiness, judging, 
or even being intimidated by other people's negativity. Just allowing the negativity or put-downs or people who don't really like us at work or school or whatever to kind of squish our light. Don't let your light be under a basket. And don't stay in the salt shaker. Salt makes people thirsty. If we'll just get into people's world and just love, bless, serve, care, what does that look like? It means when you're talking to somebody, you look them in the eye and you give them yourself. Do you realize most of the time when somebody's talking, we're thinking about the million things we have to do. We're not really fully present to them, are we? But do you know when you give somebody your full attention, when you look them in the eye and you ask them questions and you listen, do you know what most people will say? Nobody really listens to me like you listen. I don't know why, but I feel like you actually care about me. Now, I know many of you do this, but what I'm saying is if we just did that, people would say, I want to know your God. Do you realize how simple that is? To be fully present to somebody means to give them your whole self, to give them your time, your heart. Hey, you can pray for them too, but you know, I'm not even saying to do that. Just listen, ask questions. Seek to find one thing you could affirm about somebody. Bless them, honor them. I was talking to somebody in our church who just said, I'm just learning to guard my words and to bless and honor people. He's not, Lord, oh, I'm telling you, brother, you need Jesus. He's not doing that at work. He's just going to work and just saying, hey, wait a good, good job. And literally, the hearts of his employees and coworkers are opening to him just by honoring. Funny how that works, isn't it? Just by honoring. This is what I want to challenge you to do is think, how can I honor? How can I bless people? I've always been one who's kind of uh, busy doing my to-do list, running through my day. And so when I get to the store, when I'm going through things, I'm just in my zone. I can be thinking about other things. I can be introverted. And I can totally miss that there are people there. It's not that I'm rude. It's just that I'm like, you know, here, check, check. You know, okay, cool. Hey, have a good day. And I'm off. And for so many years of my life, I've just been either too busy or I've been so focused. And honestly, I I really, before I knew Jesus, and I'm still growing in this, so deeply insecure. Honestly, junior high, high school, I I moved a bunch, and it took me months to make friends, okay? Okay, You can laugh later, but bottom line, you want to know why? I've realized it over the years. You want to know why? I had no idea what to say. And I know it's because I was self-focused and insecure. I'm not trying to... I literally just didn't know what to say, like, hi. So I got... Even to this day, I'm still kind of like that, but I've gotten a lot better. Becoming a pastor has actually forced me to be other-focused. By the way, getting over yourself will help you. So, so honestly, it's helped me. But even still, when I'm around people that I don't know, I, I honestly don't know what to do. And yet, you know, it's crazy. Because the Lord has been giving me opportunities left and right to, to do what I'm talking about today. For months now, the Lord has been telling me, Great commission, great commandment, just the one right there in front of you. And I have been looking for months now. I mean, like six months. I've been looking for how I could just bless people, okay? So this might sound really weird for most of you because most of you are probably friendly. Like John Paul's like 20 steps ahead on this than me. But literally, when I go to a supermarket and I'm, I'm in a hurry, I could literally be like texting. I'm thinking, my wife's going to be mad because I'm late, which, by the way, she's not. I get home, she's not mad. But, you know, you're thinking that, right? You're thinking she's going to be mad. I'm late. I got to do this. She's told me to get this stuff in the store. Okay? I could be texting. I could be doing stuff. I put my stuff down at the grocery store. The girl's ringing it. You know, and they're busy. And I stop. And I look at them. And I go, how are you doing? How's your day going? Now, honestly, it's not that I was never friendly in the past. 
but I actually am asking them. Now, some people, they have fine, you know, you move on. You know, honestly, the last few months, I'll just be walking through the grocery store, and all of a sudden, like, hey, there's somebody struggling with some things, uh, some water. Hey, can I help you? Now, it's not that I would ignore people in the past, but honestly, either I just didn't notice it, or, to be honest, I didn't know what to do. This Dave Turner, I was kind of like, am I supposed to help? Am I supposed to help? I don't know. I'm not joking. I'm so insecure that I was like, I don't know what to do. But even the last number of weeks and months, I just walked by and, oh, hey, somebody looks like they need to, hey, can I help you? Real quick. And then I preach to them. No, I don't even preach. No, I don't even do that. Hey, now, I'm, I'm not saying that's not going to, I'm not, I'm saying it could happen one of these days, that'll happen. But that's not what I'm trying to do. The Lord's just showing me, just see them, stop for them, bless them. You know, the other day I was driving down the street early in the morning and I stopped at a stoplight. I looked to the left and there's a man there and it looked like, I mean, it was one of those really fast things that happened. I look and it looks like he like locked himself out of his car or something like that. It looked like he was kind of looking like this and, uh, and the light turned green and I kept driving. And I thought, oh, I missed that opportunity. You could turn around. And I didn't. See, I still kind of get into my own world or, oh, I wouldn't know what to do. What if he doesn't really need help? Honestly, I've talked myself out of it a million times. And now I'm like, well, that was dumb. I could have just turned around. It probably would have taken me two minutes. And the guy wouldn't have thought anything other than, hey, that's really nice. So that's my commitment now. I'm hanging out with Rich Hook, and we see this lady with, her, with a daughter. I think it was a son or daughter. We, do, we, we still debated. They're just sitting there, and they need food. They're outside of a Vons. And I don't know how any Christ follower can walk into a Vons where there's a huge store of food with debit cards with lots of money and see a mom and a daughter with nothing. How can we do it? So we stopped. It was funny. Rich and I just said the same thing at the same time. They're like, hey, what can we get you? You know, I was like, hey, that's what I was going to say. It was amazing. And Eden was there, and we got some food for her, and we got to bless them, invite them to the food ministry. We just stopped. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, my own insecurities and my own fears, my own I don't know what to do, has stopped me for so long, and now I'm realizing, dude, just help the lady with the water. Just give some food. And didn't Jesus tell us this? I mean, isn't this really what he said? What you do unto the least of these, you have done unto me? Is that, is, is that different than making disciples? No, that's what he's telling us. The great commission and the great commandment intersect at the one right there in front of you. Who, who, right there. And if you would do it unto them, you would do it unto Jesus. You look for that person at work who's sad, who's tired, who needs prayer, or just somebody to listen. You look for that person who might be a stranger that just needs a little help. Or you go across the street and just say to your neighbor, Hey, how you doing, Bob? What's going on? And you look and you seek ways that you can build friendships with people. Friendships that could change their whole eternity. Friendships that could change their whole life. Because Jesus, amen? Let's respond to this challenge to bless people. Thanks, Clint.